Hi, this is Mark Farner, the original lead singer, songwriter, guitar player for the band Grand Funk Railroad. And you are listening to Follow Your Dreams podcast with brother Robert Miller. Everyone has a dream. Robert Miller is a musician who had a dream to become a rock star. He followed his dream and he succeeded. If you're ready to pursue and succeed at your dream, then listen up and get inspired and motivated to take action today. Welcome to the Follow Your Dream podcast. Hi, everybody, and welcome to another episode of the Follow Your Dream podcast with listeners in 200 countries. I'm Robert Miller, your host. My guest today is Bruce Kulik, a celebrated guitarist who played and toured with the band Hiss for 12 years. And he's also performed with Meatloaf and Michael Bolton. And he's currently playing with Grand Funk Railroad, the American band. We'll talk about all of this. And in the middle of this episode, as I do with all my musician guests, Bruce and I are going to do a song fest. I've asked him to send me three or four of his best works. We'll play a little bit. We'll talk about them. You'll get the backstories, and nobody else does this in podcasts. And you also know that in every episode, I like to feature a song of mine underneath the introduction and at the end, and I always try to make that song relevant somehow to my guest. And in this instance, I have chosen the song Cakewalk for Deborah." Why? Well, follow this. Bruce played with Kiss and my friend and former drummer, Anton Fig, who was the drummer on the David Letterman show for years and was previously a guest on this podcast, well, he also played with Kiss. And guess what? Anton played drums on Cakewalk for Deborah, which happened to be the first song that I ever wrote. How about that? So Bruce Kulik, welcome to the Follow Your Dream podcast, baby. Thanks a lot for having me. Did you know Anton? Did you play with Anton? You know, I there was one corporate gig where Anton was the drummer. And I, I used to see him on TV. And of course, I knew he was, you know, one of the guys that Kiss called on early on, for sure. Yeah, he told me the whole story because he's been on the podcast as well. Anton and I played together in Boston for a number of years in the 1970s. We were in a band together there. And then he left and he came to New York City. And, you know, he always wanted to play jazz. That was what I understood and the next thing i hear he's playing with kiss yep so that's the way life goes sometimes so you guys did not overlap no that's true yeah okay so how did you get with kiss let's go back to that so um you know actually i was grew up in new york and of course my brother knew those guys and my brother's older where'd you grow up in new york in brooklyn okay and then queens and kiss was always a new york band you know and my brother had the opportunity because he auditioned actually for Kiss when they were look, creating the band actually, and he didn't get chosen, but they really liked him. But years later, they leaned on my brother because he was a known session guy. And Bob became very important for Alive 2 on the studio tracks and then the Killers and uh, Paul's solo record. So he had that 70s connection with Kiss. And, you know, I actually did audition when Ace was leaving. I wasn't really ready. I'll be real honest. I was very intimidated by the whole thing. 
they were very loud. I played okay, but I didn't think I went in there going like, I want this gig. You know, I want to be the uh -huh. new Kiss guitarist. I remember Gene saying, you have a really good vibrato. And that was it. And I was fine with that. It wasn't my dream to be in that band at that time, mostly because of the makeup and the outfits and the whole thing. And I was more like, I don't know. I didn't, I didn't totally get that with them, even though when I saw them in 78, I was very impressed with the show. And I loved the Destroyer record that Bob Ezrin produced. So it's not fair for me to say. Did you have to do the whole dress up thing as well? Or was it just the frontline guys? Well, no, in my era, by the time I got in the band, which fast forward to 84, that instead of asking my brother or there were other ghost musicians like Anton, OK, right. that helped him out in the studio. You know, Paul Stanley was really in charge of the Animalize record that they were doing in 84 because Gene got busy with Hollywood and everything. And the next thing I know, uh, there were some other people in the industry that would recommend me. And so it wasn't only about the fact that my brother always said that Bruce would be great in the band. So I got the chance to prove myself as ghost guitar player on Animalize for a song. And that's when Paul said, don't cut your hair. And I'm like, don't cut my hair. I'm just coming in for a session. My name won't even be on the record. They got a new guitar player. You get what I'm saying? And the yeah. next thing I know, they called me because Mark, the new guy, was ill. And they needed somebody to go on tour with them in Europe and maybe more depending on his, you know, progress. OK, and those uh, two to six weeks of me filling in for someone turned into 12 years. So <laughs> it was pretty interesting. That's a long fill in for sure. Yeah. And it's an unusual way to join a band, of course, but it's exactly what happened. You know? All right. So you're on the road with them and you're probably traveling the whole world with them. Yeah. Tell us what was that like? You know, we do a lot of stuff in the British invasion era on this podcast. This is, of course, post-British invasion. What was it like touring then? Were there screaming girls and stuff like that? You know, what was the deal? Yeah. And by the way, I mean, Kiss very much influenced by what you just said, the British invasion. Me too. That That's why I play guitar, you know. But, you know, by the time I got in the band, it was quite exciting, you know, especially over Europe. I remember, you know, like, we had always like kind of be escorted properly. And I remember, especially in Scandinavia, there would be like throngs of people outside, you know, they knew that the band was at that hotel. So it was like, I wouldn't call it full on Beatlemania, but it was certainly it was a taste of Beatlemania. It was Kiss Mania. Huh? Pretty excited. Yeah, Kiss Mania. And that was very exciting. Um, at that time, I didn't even know I would actually stay in the band, but I was still very uh, impressed with it. You know, what could I say? I mean, I knew it was a great opportunity. And obviously, as I got used to being the guitar player, once they officially asked me to join, you got used to balancing, you know, how to handle the 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 fans and what what they what they want or what they expect from you. All right. So was was Gene Simmons, was he the head of the band? Was he the leader? Well, Gene and Paul really have always controlled the band. And in many ways, Paul generally got the final say but gene is always like more the face of the band right and gene being a very outspoken businessman you know but you know really the two of them have always been in charge of the band with uh, quite honestly paul usually having the final say even though he he you know gene always has great ideas it's not like he's ignored but it's kind of an interesting dynamic the two of them have but you're right i mean when you think of kiss you think of gene simmons and the tongue and the and the dress up and the whole thing exactly but Paul is the front man of the band. He's the one that speaks in the concerts and introduces everything. It's, it's really an incredible, um, you know, dynamic the two of them have. They were honest about it. There was a big, uh, long history 
presentation by A and E. It was two two hour shows. I, I got to be interviewed as well. But that's when you know Paul actually admitted he goes like you know we're both you know the, the leaders of this band, but but Gene has always been the face of the band. You know, just is there's something about the tongue and the thing. You know, and the lineup of the groupies is from everything I've read. Yeah, yeah, and then he was always known for all of that, but. But still, this band is one of those groups to be associated with that is known around the world. Everybody knows it's it's really was an unbelievable opportunity. And the fans still accept me as part of the family, even though I haven't been in the band since 96. You know, it's really weird. Are they still touring? So they they obviously COVID prevented the wind down, meaning the big end of the road tour, you know. Right. But they are back at it. They did a couple of months this year. They stopped now. I just came off of the Kiss Cruise with my local band, who are terrific. And we cover a lot of my era and deep tracks. That goes over very well. And Kiss will start up again. I think they're going to go through the end of next year. And then it's done, done, done. Really? You think that's it, huh? Oh, that's what they're saying. And, and, and that's what they're headed to. They were headed to that. It would have been done. But then there was the pandemic and yeah. everything got postponed, of course, you know. Everybody always says they're done, done, done. And then they come back, 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 you know. Yeah, I think this time they really are. Although I still think they'll be able to still make money with the Kiss name or Kiss type things. Maybe there's still presentations of Kiss. Maybe there's a residency. But I think, as you know, <laughs> going on tour and traveling the world, I do believe they're going to be done with that in a year. So you're telling me it's going to be Kiss and Britney Spears in Las Vegas doing the residency. Is that what you're Maybe. saying? Maybe. <laughs> Possibly. Not a bad gig, you know. I, I mean, it's really good if you live here, too, right? I can imagine. All right. So you went from Kiss, which is, you know, a mega band, and now you're playing with another mega band, Grand Funk Railroad. You know, I interviewed on this show Mark Farner a little while ago, and Mark is still going well. But you're in kind of the alternative band, aren't you? Yeah, I mean, sometimes I call it Grand Funk Mach 2, you know. But <laughs> when when they had their falling out, and again, I've worked with Mark, so I know him, and he respects me, and I have a hell of a lot of respect for his talent. We've done some corporate gigs and things for the Rock and Roll Fantasy Camp together. And he was always very, very cool with me. I even got to play when he performed on Howard Stern, since I knew the acoustic parts for the song, you know, he, he invited me along with some of the other counselors, of course, to support him. But um, when Don and Mel realized, all right, Mark wants to be solo and we want to continue and they got the right singer, this guy, Max Carl, then I was on the short list of guitar players. And since I knew Brewer from years ago and I fit in and it's been amazing that it's been 20 years now. It's really crazy. 20 years. Well, this music just goes on and on. You know, all this music that we grew up with in the 60s and the 70s, everybody thought it was going to fade away. It hasn't faded at all. It's gotten stronger. And I think a lot of the new music is just not going to have the legs that uh, classic rock does, you know. So I have this incredible gig. You know, we don't have a Kiss production or anything like that, but we got five talented guys on stage, you know, killing it, you know, so the crowd reactions are great. And it's mostly fly dates, so I don't have to you know, be gone for months on, a, on, on, on the road, on a bus or whatever. So it, it works with my lifestyle. And what about the audience? You know, what's the age range of the audience when you're playing with these groups? Well, like the casino that we just did on Friday night, that, that would range anywhere from, I saw some younger people in their 20s. And then, of course, I saw some people that probably are on Medicare. You know <laughs> what I mean? There, you know, 
uh, because they know the band, obviously. But uh-huh. the name, the, the band has that name. Now, when we play more general gigs, you know, festivals and city, you know, fair things and stuff like that, it's all age groups, you know. So we also don't do a lot of what they call hard ticket things. We do a lot of the casinos, which are a ticket, but we'll play a lot of these events that are, there's a lot of bands, there's a lot of activity going on. And, and the band has that kind of a, a, a name of credibility, you know, to, to be appropriate there, you know, along with like Royce, the cult and the guess who and Jefferson starship, you know, things like that. Okay. Yeah, so many of these bands, you know, they go out on the road. They've got maybe one guy from the original lineup. The ones that we I got think, two. You, <laughs> see that's that? big. It's two thirds of the original lineup of Grand Funk are in this band. That's big. <laughs> I, mean, I know you got Foreigner out there with nobody. You know what I mean? But but I, I get your point. But it's about the music, and usually all those groups that do the replacement people. You know what I mean? They they always seek really talented people that fit the vibe. You know, and that's why it's bookable. And that's why it's successful. You know, I'm just reminded you're in the Las Vegas area. And about 10 years ago, I went to see Frankie Valley playing in one of the hotels off the strip. Yep. And Frankie was terrific. But my recollection of it was that all the guys in the band collectively didn't add up to his age. They were all like 12 or 13 yeah, yeah, years yeah. of age, yep. you know, but they can play the music exactly as it was written back then. Same thing. I saw Blood, Sweat and Tears, you know, years after they had had all their hits the guys had, you know, the charts down perfect. So you can replicate these things if you got the right singing. Yeah. I mean, with, with Grand Funk, we got Don at 73, still doing a drum solo. That's amazing. You know, I mean, we're all, you know, I, I'm probably the uh, third youngest. Uh, our keyboard player is the youngest. But, you know, we're all feeling it. I, I don't want to lie about that. Okay. The aches and pains when you're when you're, you know, over 65 doing rock and roll show. But then I have those those moments where I shut up because you got the Paul McCartney's and the and the Mick Jaggers out there. That's right. (laughs) So music is just something that keeps you going, you know, you bet. Hi, everybody. This is Robert Miller, your host. You know, I've been fortunate to have so many amazing guests on this podcast. Famous musicians, actors, directors, photographers, and other creatives. I've been asked many times how I get such great guests. The answer is in several ways. Some contact me directly. Some come through their manager or public relations firm. And many come from referrals by my other guests. Well, now I want to open up the process to you, my listeners. I'm sure that some of you know a famous or interesting or accomplished person, someone who has followed their dream to success and who would make a great guest on this podcast. If you know someone like this, I'm inviting you to contact me or have them contact me. Shoot me an email at robert at followyourdreampodcast.com. That's robert at followyourdreampodcast.com. And tell me who you've got. And if you haven't done so yet, please subscribe to the podcast so you get each episode when it airs. And also, you must visit our website at followyourdreampodcast.com where you can listen to all of our episodes and much more. 
As always, I want to thank you for listening, and we'll see you in the next episode. Okay, let's go to the second half of this show, which is what I call a song fest. I asked Bruce to suggest three or four songs that he's on or he's affiliated with that we can play and we can talk about. So right now underneath us is a Kiss song called I Walk Alone. Tell us a little bit about what's going on there. Well, my KISS fans know for sure that that was really, not only is it a unique piece of music because it has a lot of elements of bands like Queen and the Beatles because there's little backwards guitars and a lot of effects, but I'm actually singing it. Are you the lead or you're singing yeah. on the track? Lead. You're lead. the lead, okay. Yeah, and I co-wrote it with Gene. We worked on it for a very long time. But what's interesting about the song Gene actually wrote the lyrics and it, it, it's about a very much, you know, this, this guy who's very introverted and walking, you know, I walk alone, you know, but, but he believes in himself. He's got his, you know, he's, he's still confident. I got my two feet. I'm going to stand firm on the ground. Now I didn't know that that would be the last record that I work on with them in the band. You see what I'm saying? Uh -huh. So in a way the lyrics, he didn't write them for me knowing that they were going to go into the reunion. Okay. But it was kind of prophetic. And because the music is very, you know, it's really creative music, there's backwards sections in the song, the guitar playing, I was able to emulate like a Hendrixy kind of thing. And I'm singing, it makes it a very, very unusual song from the Kiss catalog that I'm very proud of. When I performed it on the Kiss cruise pre-pandemic on that cruise, there were people crying in the audience. You know, they just were so moved by it. And it's not about me being a great singer. It was just that connection that they had to the song, you know? So it's something I'm real proud of. It's a great, great piece of music. Good for you. You're reminding me of the song, I Never Walk Alone, that Jerry Lewis used to do on the telethon and everybody used to cry during that one. Yeah, yeah. This is a little bit different. I Walk Alone. Yes. Okay. All right, so the second song we're gonna listen to now is also a Kiss song called Forever. us a little bit about the backstory on this well i mean one other thing in my resume which anyone could see on my you know website or wikipedia or whatever is working with michael bolton we had a band called blackjack and actually from working with michael is how i met don brewer and there's that connection 
because we did some dates when Michael was solo and I was his guitarist back in 83. And we opened for Bob Seger and Brewer was on drums for Bob Seger anyway. And that's how I wound up on the shortlist for Grand Funk. You know, Michael took off once he got into this other kind of music. Blackjack, the band I had with Michael, was much more like Bad Company, rock and roll, blues rock and roll band. Okay. Wait a minute. You're telling me Michael Bolton did a Bad Company kind of thing, huh? Yes. That's hard to believe. And it's called Blackjack. didn't take off obviously you know, otherwise you might have heard of it and uh but then he changed his style he changed the spelling of his last name to bolton it was below 10 actually before that but again he was the singer the front man and it was mostly really his band but i helped with the writing we had covers with uh kanye west and jay-z that wound up on other records you know pretty interesting but the records didn't really happen anyway once michael became very successful as more like a songwriter blue-eyed soul artist as you know of course everybody knows michael bolton and i'm in kiss now right so it was pretty easy for us to michael wanting to write a power ballad for kiss because that was really hip to do in the 90s 80s and 90s so paul stanley and him co-wrote forever okay and the reason why the track not only is it a great ballad power ballad for kiss from the hot in the shade record but there's an acoustic guitar solo in it that Fans still love the songs used in weddings on anniversaries. I do cameos where I have to play forever. So it's just something I'm very proud of. And the fact that I connected Paul and Michael and the fact that the band had a big hit with it and it featured an acoustic soul for me. So I'm not just seen as a rock and roll metal guitarist. All big, big wins for me. Very cool. And it's a nice song, like you said. I liked it a lot. Yeah, it's a beautiful track. Okay, let's go to uh, the next one, which is I'll Survive. Some guy named Bruce Kulik did this one, right? <laughs> yes. So I did three solo records over the years, like from 2000 to 2010. I really got to do another album, but that's that's something I'll do with that band that I was telling you about that's local and that plays with me on the cruise. But I actually had a very weird experience in 2003 where I'm leaving a club on Sunset Strip to see my friend uh, Brent play with Vince Neil. And some guy was randomly drunk and shooting a gun in, at the rainbow a block away. Okay. And one of the bullets went through my leg and grazed my head. Okay. You're kidding. No. 
Unbelievable. We'll just put in Google Bruce Kulick shot. You know, you'll, you'll see it. <laughs> okay. Anyway, they take me to Cedar sinai I'm in shock, although the paramedic told me, I know the wounds you have. You're going to be fine. I'm like, I'm in shock, basically. So I, what, what, I didn't even know what to say, right? Right. And then I know a bullet, like, almost went into my head because I heard the bullet. You know what I mean? It whizzed by. That's wow. not a good feeling, okay? No. That's like a battlefield, okay? <laughs> so I go to see the Sinai in the ambulance. There's all these uh, very attractive, because it's Beverly Hills, you know, very attractive nurses and, and, and RN people, right? And they're all looking at me. And then I just said to the guy that took me in, like, uh, what's going on? They Well, they said there was a head wound. You know, they were expecting, like, guts pouring out of my head or something, right? And he said, let me see. And then she put a little like zinc oxide on the side of my, where it happened, right? Of course, they had to test my leg and make sure the bullet, uh, very fortunately, did not go through like my kneecap or an, an important artery. You know, it actually went through muscle. So what I'm telling everybody, all your listeners, if you're going to get shot, make sure it's through muscle, okay? Because okay. <laughs> it heals. Okay, what do I know? I'm a, I'm a pretty mellow guy, you know? Anyway. When I was getting ready to write for the next record, because I, I was really on a roll where every couple of years I kept writing songs. I'm, I'm you know, doing the, the fly dates with Grant Funk, but I wanted to continue my solo career as a as an artist. So I came up with a song that basically tells the story poetically of surviving that night. Getting shot. Yeah, being shot. I mean, again, I don't say it, but, you know you know, uh, you'll, you'll hear the lyrics, you'll see that I was kind of just explaining that I was really blessed that day, even though it was a, a very hard thing, you know what I mean, to deal with. Well, you were lucky. Okay. Like yes, you said, I was very lucky. If you're going to get shot, that was the way to get shot. Exactly. Exactly. And so many people were like, Oh, my God, you know, what I mean, what a terrible thing. I said, Dude, I was so lucky. What happened? How it happened? Because it could have been, I could have been killed or crippled. So I'll I'll survive. So that, and it's a beautiful song. I play bass on it, all the guitars. It's, it's again, kind of trippy. Not, it's not, I walk alone. There's no backwards things, but I think when you hear it, there's an interesting ethereal effect on my voice. I'm not really a singer like Gene and Paul and and Michael Bolton and other people, but the emotion in the song really came across. Well, I was very happy with it. Good for you. Okay. Last one on our list is a song called dear friend. Tell us about this. When I joined Kiss in 84, Eric Carr was the drummer, very talented guy. And he died in 91 of cancer, which is way too young at 41, of course. And um, it happened very quickly, like within six months, he found out he had cancer, like cancer on the heart. Very, very, very sad. And, you know, he meant a lot to the fans. He was so wonderful with the fans. And recently, since it was the 30th anniversary, November 24th, 
I spent some time putting together. I've enjoyed, I learned in COVID how to make videos, you know, like multimedia things. I was entertaining my fans and, and keeping myself busy, right? So I did a nice uh, 10, 11 minute story of me working with Eric and what it meant for me to be his friend and the tragedy of losing him. You know, it's very nice. It's doing very well on YouTube, okay? The legend lives on, Eric Carr, okay, on YouTube. So the song though, and I'm very, I have a lot of fun choosing the music that I stick in. But I went with a song from the band Union that I had with John Karabi, which was the band I had right after Kiss. And I wrote that song with lyrics for Eric. You know, dear friend, all the lyrics were related to him as an amazing drummer, my relationship with him, me missing him. And it was co-written with John and Bob Millette, who's a very famous uh, producer, songwriter. And it came out really well. And it's featured in the end, towards the end of that video that I did. So it was on my mind. And I a lot of people didn't know the song. And they were saying, Oh, my God, where did that come from? So I thought I'd give it a little spotlight on your show. That's very nice. And you know, so many of us started to do things like videos, when the pandemic hit, you know, my band Project Grand Slam had just released an album, about a month before the pandemic closed the world down. And we couldn't go out and play behind it. So what did we do? We took four of the songs from the album and we started to make videos because that's what you could do at the time. So you have to learn new skills when you have. Oh, I learned it all. (laughs) Something like this. (laughs) I'm really good on iMovie and GarageBand. I can record for you. I can do it all. Good. I'm going to hire you when this is over. Okay. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) But, But before that, it was always just run from one gig to another, another opportunity, go overseas when there's a little break in the schedule. You get what I mean? Yes. And now. The pandemic taught me new ways to be creative. It was actually empowering for me. Good for you. I'm glad to see that you're out there. You're still doing your thing and uh, you're smiling and that's all that counts. Okay. And you're still alive. That bullet only hit the leg. I'm alive. Yeah, I'll survive. (laughs) You'll survive. We have been talking here with Bruce Kulik. Bruce, I want to thank you so much for being on the podcast. It's been such a real pleasure. Thanks for having me. And, And anybody that's curious about anything we talked about, anything, You'll share my website because that's the good portal for all things Kulik, like I like to say. All things Kulik. Yes, we will share all of that. And now we're going to listen again to the song that started out this episode of the podcast. It's my song called Cakewalk for Deborah" with Anton Fig on the drums. And I want to thank you all for listening and we'll see you in the next episode. Thanks for listening to the Follow Your Dream podcast. Make sure to subscribe, rate, and review the podcast so you don't miss another inspiring episode. You can connect with Robert at robert at followyourdreampodcast.com. And you can hear more from his band at projectgrandslam.com and at thepgsstore.com. Mm-hmm.